0: Good afternoon, Blazers fans. Welcome to the Blazer Focus Podcast. The Blazers add a new sharpshooting guard via a trade. The Bosian Beast is back. CJ McCullum is working his shot back into form, and the schedule is about to get rough for these Trail Blazers. I'm Aaron Fentress of the Oregonian, along with Joe Freeman, also of the Oregonian. We're going to bring you all that and more today on the Blazer Focus Podcast, brought to you by Bymart's. Joe, I haven't talked to you in a while. You went on vacation. You ditched me, you know, during the trade deadline. I was like, wait, what? I don't get any help with this? I've never covered a trade deadline in my life. I think I was up for like 48 hours straight. I blame you, but I hope you you had fun on your little vacation.
1: That's called a vet move, Aaron. (laughs) You take your vacation during the busiest time. That's how you got to roll. No, that's the beauty (laughs) of not doing the beat anymore is I actually get to get spring. It's my first spring break off in maybe...
0: 18 15
1: years, 15 years. Yeah. Wow. Even back to our, our prep days, Aaron, we didn't get spring break off either. So yeah. Um, it was great though. Cannon beach was beautiful. We went there for a couple days, had some family around. It was, it was, it was great. I'm, I'm glad that uh, I was able to enjoy it while you
0: had to well, work. Good for you. All right. Speaking <laughs> of the trade deadline, the blazers made a move. They traded beloved guard Gary Trent jr and Rodney hood also a fan, a fan favorite to Toronto, for Norman Powell, a six foot three guard who can light it up. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. Now, let me give you my quick take on it. I was looking for them to maybe add a forward mm-hmm. uh, because I thought they're loaded at guard. Why would you swap out guards when you can maybe swap a guard for a forward? But they went the guard route. Neil O'Shea told me when I talked to him that they did look at a bunch of different things, but trade capital was an issue. And teams mm-hmm. like Orlando were looking to build trade capital. They got two picks from the Bulls and Wendell Carter for Vucevic. They got a first round pick from Denver in the Aaron Gordon deal. And they mm-hmm. got two seconds from Boston for Evan Fournier. <laughs> so things like that, Neil O'Shea said weren't out there. So they settled on. So lot settled. I take that back. They, hey, didn't hey, on hey, they hey. targeted Pal instead because Toronto was more flexible and had interest in Trent. So my initial question to you is what did you think of the deal when it happened? And what do you think now after a couple of games?
1: Well, I was like, really, when it when it happened, <laughs> I wasn't convinced that the Blazers were going to be able to make a move for the for the very reason that you mentioned. They kind of went all in in the in the off season. They gave up their the capital that you talk about in, in the Covington deal, and so um, I knew that asset wise, with a lot of these rebuilding teams, what they're looking for, they were kind of limited on that. Um, after processing it though, and watching his fit, I have to say that I that I kind of like it, and. In many ways, it's kind of a, a classic Neil O'Shea move. Again, a guy on no one's radar. There wasn't a flood of rumors about Norman Powell and Norman Powell going to the Blazers, which is kind of how Neil rolls. And a kind of an understated but yet really talented player um, that kind of blends in both character, personality wise, skill set wise, um, you know, with the existing Blazers roster. And you know first of all, he's a guy who who is a champion, so he brings that to your roster uh, i don't i don't i like to point out playoff experience and and especially a champion when they arrive, but also you know he's kind of like an older version of Gary Trent, only mm-hmm. you know not quite as much of a gunner and and he has had some prolific shooting games where he's you know made eight nine or eight seven six threes in a game, but he doesn't just kind of jack it up like Trent does he, <laughs> yeah. he, and and you know he does and yeah. when he's when he gets behind the eight ball so to speak he wants to just jack it up even more mm-hmm. you respect that mentality but i i think even the most ardent uh fans and, and and dire blazer fans sometimes got a little annoyed uh or put off by that so um but he's a guy we're two games in obviously so right. it, it's it's overreacting no matter what we say but been a really nice fit, uh, a, a capable defender, uh, a smart defender, um, a guy who, you know, made his impact offensively in his first game. And look, if he's going to average 18 points and he's going to shoot, uh, what is he shooting, 70-something percent from three-point range and 53 percent from the field, 70? I think he's he's six for nine. So
0: Oh, so you mean so far with the Blazers? Yeah, okay. Right.
1: Yeah, so if that keeps up, I think he <laughs> yeah, well, hey, he's deal. great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I mean, you know, he's a guy who doesn't need a lot of high volume to to shoot and to produce. He's a guy who can kind of fit in alongside uh, in a three-guard lineup, which I know we're going to talk about more. Um, kind of versatile, can come off the bench, can start. Um, and, you know, I liked uh, things that fans don't care about. I like his demeanor. I, I like his... Uh, He's got a little bit of an edge to him, but also seems like a very well-respected guy. Mm-hmm. I, I, you don't see a lot of uh, media hop on, and you say Zoom, you never see that before, but hop into a, a post-trade thing and kind of show the reverence that the Toronto media showed for for Norman. Yeah, and oh, you saw that, was, yeah. yeah mutual yeah. respect. He kind of referred to them by first names, which yeah. is really rare in the NBA, and they kind of had a goodbye, which, uh, yeah. you know, you don't thank you get
0: that so of- much and good luck. And right. I-, I was told, I, w- I was in on that. And I was like, man, these guys love this dude. Like they're going to cry. <laughs> right. And I think that that's, it's a
1: small, but a very important and telling uh, telling thing that uh, a guy can be that respected by someone who's covered them day to day for so long. Um, and to have that mutual respect, I think it, it speaks volume about how he was viewed in Toronto. Um, and, and how he likely will fit into an organization that really values culture and, and all that stuff um, and wants to bring in the right kind of guys. Now, I don't know about long-term fit because he's going to be a free agent and, and salary and, and all that sort of a thing. But right now, um, I, I have to say I, I like the move.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you can't get an impact forward – and you're just trying to find someone to help you, you, you know, he he's, he fits the bill. You, you upgrade from Trent. You mentioned he's an older version. He's, he's a grown man. He's 27. He's been mm-hmm. around the block. He's been in the playoffs. He's been to the finals. Trent's still really young. And one of the things that was clear, despite how much people love Trent, is that he was so one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. He didn't really do anything. It was three or nothing. Not, not that he couldn't make mid-range shots, but he never really looked for him. If the ball bounced to him, and he just happened to be in the mid-range area, he'd he shoot it. But he was not... Looking to create other types of shots. It's box scores, that stat line, void of rebounds, void of assists. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just, if I get the ball behind the three point line, I have even a sliver of an opening, it's going up. Powell is going to give you a guy who can get to the rack. He can take people off the dribble. He can finish. He's got hops. He's got bounce to him. He's got some mm-hmm. length. Mm-hmm. wingspan, which I always mm-hmm. find it funny when we talk about wingspan. He's got some, you know, pump fake moves up and under type things uh, in the lane. And uh, he's just a pro's pro who's been there, done that. It's definitely an upgrade. But I just still, I I don't think this necessarily made them better. Like, I think it's a slight upgrade, but it's like, eh, to me. I, I see what you're saying. I think he's
1: a better player. And, and I think he's he's a smarter player. Not that Gary Trent's not a smart player. He's just a younger player. Yeah. With, yeah, with young this, you know, yeah. And, and really, uh, to detour a bit, I think it's going to be better for Gary, too. He's going to get some burn in Toronto. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's going to be a starter. Yeah. And so he's going to get a chance to establish himself there, uh, potentially to, to work for a deal with Toronto or elsewhere. And so good on him. He was a good guy that kind of endeared himself to the to the franchise before he left. But I would say that they did get better. Um, obviously, they're better now because they've got Nurkic back. They've got CJ back, um, and and then you add you add Norman to the fray. That's I, I, a lot of experience. It's a lot of uh, basketball intelligence. Uh, and again, he's kind of like you said. He's a grown up version of Gary Trent. He's like what Gary Trent might want to be one day when he grows up. Right. Um, <laughs> and so, like, I think they did get better. Um, and, and defensively too, I think Gary had some strong moments defensively, but much more uneven, you know, he, he did very well. And then he would, you know, have some lapses. Um, we kind of saw a little bit of the impact Norman can make, you know, he gets, he gets more deflections. He's, he's more prone to get steals, uh, which Gary, you know, could do on occasion, but, um, you know, I, I think he'll fit in in, the, in the, as a piece in the bigger picture, um, and like you mentioned, he does add a bit more versatility uh, than, than Gary does, but, um, the ability for him to play, which I guess could, we could kind of pivot to the, to the next kind of topic sure. here, which is, is, you know, we have seen, in fact, him, uh, Norman play in a three guard lineup and stretches with, um, with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Uh, I don't know. Do you see that as a long-term thing? Is that a, a wrinkle? Is that a, uh. How does that fit in moving forward? Is that something that can be successful as the Blazers try to try to kind of work with this retooled roster?
0: Well, Stoss has insisted as recently as um, yesterday, or after their last game on Sunday, that he's not committed to starting the three guard lineup, that they did it against Toronto, one, because it was Powell's former team, two, because he anticipated that they're going to play a three guard lineup, although Lowry didn't play, but with Lowry Van Vliet and uh Trent so he said you know there was a no-brainer to do it then but he wasn't committed to it moving forward at the end of the day starter non-starter he's probably would play the same amount of minutes if he started or didn't start like he's going to play a lot he's going to play a lot with Lillard and McCollum but this is where I kind of go to the ant factor like I think on offense it's an upgrade but their offense was already so good so okay they're going to go from a 115 offensive rating to a 117 offensive rating yay the defensive side, I'm not buying that defensively they're going to be that much better because if you're taking him out, excuse me, if you're taking Jones out for Powell, Jones is 6'6", longer, a more proven defender, I believe. And I do believe that the three-guard lineup of Dame, CJ, and McCollum is going to get exposed defensively. Like, it just is. Those guys are not going to be able to match up against good small forwards. I think when you get into the playoffs, I don't know how you would even re- – like if they end up in sixth seed and play the Clippers at the third – at the three seed, who in the heck is guarding Kawhi and or George? Like that's that person is just going to go off on who, on CJ or Powell, whoever's guarding them. So I just believe in the bigger picture, it's a it's more of a, a cute move, I would call it. Like, oh, it's going to be fun to watch, and oh, it's going to be interesting, but it's not going to impact winning that much in my estimation when those three guys are out there for so long. Other teams are just going to feast on those three because of the mismatch.
1: Yeah, you also have to look at it's a mismatch the other way, um, and the Blazers Maybe. have the Blazers have used three guard lineups with some effectiveness in the past. Uh, Shabazz Napier had some pretty good stretches in a in a you know very unique three guard lineup. <clears throat> Seth Curry was was probably the best in recent years playing alongside Dame uh, and CJ, and we saw that be very effective in the playoffs. Uh, obviously, when he was here, I just. When you look at the balance of the roster, um, first of all, it kind of you lose Rodney Hood, who I, I think we can all agree is not the same Rodney Hood that he that he was a year and a half ago. He was
0: he was struggling, um,
1: yeah. And now he, that said, he had some pretty important stretches in, in some late in games in which he got some defensive stops or hit shots and such, uh, and and I think his 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 poise and uh, kind of clutch penchant for being clutch really help this team. But you kind of, uh, you get rid of a, I wouldn't say a problem, but you get rid of two guys for one, which should help some of the depth, uh, you know, quote unquote issues of, of playing time and, and and such. So you have a better balance there. And, uh, you know, the issue now is, is which you kind of touched on is, do you start Powell? Do you start DJJ? Uh, you know, how does that work? Um, do, are you flexible, which I know NBA players, usually hate they want to know their role and you know what to expect on a nightly basis so there'll be some some finagling there but in a way this this kind of brings up a a larger issue which is uh I I guess just just moving forward there's going to be an adjustment for this team you are integrating right now three new starters slash three very important role players you know Mm -hmm. we don't know if Powell's going to be a starter or, or a you know a a Uh, an important player, but two important starters in him. And so you don't just go right back in and jump into the fray and take off. Uh, So that's, it's going to be a little choppy waters here and there as, as the guys adjust to each other. So, um, and I know, you know, we're going to talk about the difficult schedule looming uh, soon, but this is an important couple of, of weeks as these guys familiarize themselves with each other and, and kind of integrate these new players. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Terry balances that and, and how the chemistry kind of kind of comes together.
0: Right. Now they hope to resign him. O'Shea said that straight out. He has a player option at about $11 million for next season. They want him back. And so it makes me wonder you know, in order to convince him to come back aside from money, I mean, money talks, but Mm -hmm. you have to sell him on his role, Mm -hmm. right? Like if they play him as a backup and give him 25 minutes, is he going to want to come back? If they start him and give him 33, 34 minutes, you might be like, yeah, I'm a starter here. I'll come back. So it'll be interesting to see how much of a factor that plays into it. What say you? Well, (laughs) it's
1: two games in, it's tough to say. Uh, A lot is going to be, you know, how he feels about the city and and so on and so forth. It, It is a, a franchise that has earned some, some clout, I think league wide for how they treat their players. Um, and, and we've seen, you know, with Mellow, I think Mellow's return speaks for itself about how it's starting to be viewed. Um, its reputation is changing. So, you know, how does he feel about playing alongside Dave and CJ? Is is he looking for money slash big minutes? Is he looking for money? Is he looking for a chance to win? Uh, you know, I don't know him, so I don't know what's going to go into his decision. I think, if you did ask him, he would say, I don't know what I'm going to do now anyway. So um, uh, if the Blazers want to retain him, they'll be able to offer him more money than anyone else. I assume like they carry his bird rights, right?
0: Uh, I, f- I have a double check, but I think yeah, so.
1: Yeah, I- I'm pretty sure that's right. And so, y- you know, they'll kind of, you know, you know, hold the card, so to speak there. But um, we're getting
0: way too ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we are. Of course. That. So that's what we do on the Blazer Focus Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You are listening to the Blazer Focus Podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. Okay, so let's move on to the next topic because I think this this by far is the single most important thing going on with this team. Powell is, like I said, a nice addition, but uh, yeah, whatever. Unless... Yusuf Nurkic can get back to being the Bosnian beast because right now he's not the beast. He's Yusuf Nurkic. He was the beast at the bubble. He was a beast before he broke his leg two years ago this month in March, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right now he's uh, he started the season averaging about 10.7 rebounds. He admitted he was out of shape. He was trying to work mm-hmm. himself back in shape. He showed some flashes of being the beast and then he, bam, broke his wrist on one of the flukier plays I think I've ever seen anyone break something on. It was just, ridiculous like the odds were astronomical he comes back for two games orlando and toronto combined he's on a minutes restriction he played 19 minutes in both games shot 54% i like that and he had total of 18 re, 18 points and 10 re, sorry 12 rebounds sorry mm-hmm. i read the stats wrong so 18 and 12 in 38 minutes that's you would take that from anyone even though it's spread out over two games so i think we're seeing some flashes of the formerly known uh, bosnian beast and if we can get that, not we, if the Blazers can get that from him over 30 minutes a night moving forward, maybe not going to get 18 and 12, maybe you get 16 and 10, I think they have a chance to make some noise. If not, Finito, first round and out. Cantor is <laughs> not going to be in to up a seven-game series. Powell and, and CJ and Dam are going to be too small in the backcourt without a true rim protector who's being dominant behind them. What do you think about the Nerka situation? And can he return to being the beast? yeah, of course he can.
1: he's he's assuming he's healthy, he he can return to be the player that that we've seen before. and And I expect him to to play well once his minutes boost up, once he gets uh, you know back into shape and all that stuff. Uh, we've seen flashes, you know, hints here and there. He's uh, his defense, you know, in in the first game and going rogue or whatever, he, he made some big plays <laughs> and, and, you know, even in the Blazers, have played two shaky teams. So it's hard to make, you know, too much out of that, but, you know, he played a, a bigger team in Toronto the next night and, and had good moments. And so um, we've seen flashes of his passing ability at a nice little thread, the needle bounce, bounce pass, maybe mm. the CJ or someone yeah, for CJ, a layup.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. And
1: so easy. that, and that's the thing we didn't see that from Cantor because that's not part of his game. And right. it's hard to describe everything that Yusuf brings because he's so you know versatile and multi dimensional. He's a guy who's had the the five by five before, which not a lot of guys can say. He, he can block shots, obviously, and and rebound. and And his screen setting is an underrated uh, asset for this team to kind of really clear things out for the offense and open things up for them. Um, and so it, everything that he does, uh, it, it's, it's important. And, you know, one thing that you don't think about, and, and I'm going to go ahead and bring it up, is we haven't had very many chances to see the nurkic Cantor combo. And, and I don't even mean necessarily at the same time, although that is an option, but just in the same game because it was very shortly after Cantor uh, arrived uh, and made his debut in Brooklyn after the trade deadline uh, way back when, was it two or three years ago, uh, that Nurkic got hurt. And there are not a lot of teams who can throw that much beef, that much size, that much offensive uh, kind of versatility and in, in different looks. And we talked about Kanter and what he brings, that guy coming off the bench, slash working with the starters, and those guys maybe playing together some. And and those guys impacting a game, the same game together, uh, is going to be really interesting to see. Again, going back to what we've talked about way back when the season started, there's just not a lot of teams that have the, the, the top-to-bottom versatility and just different looks that the Blazers can throw at a team. And so uh, I expect Nurkic to, to return to form when he starts to, to see more minutes. And I expect that tandem – to be pretty unique uh, from what we see in the NBA right now.
0: They combined to go 20-12 and 12 against Toronto, against Orlando, who had just traded Vucevic. So what does this mean? But still, they, they combined for 23 points and 23 rebounds. Um, so, yes, their combined production should be uh, very nice for this team, no doubt about it. Okay, so we're agreement on the fact that Nurkic can probably get back to form I think that they are not going to be very good, or in terms of surviving this next, these next 26 games, which we'll get to, without him doing so, and definitely not a, a, going to be a force in the playoffs unless Nurkic is back to being what he was at the bubble. Okay. And think
1: about think about this too. Like, uh, and and every time we do this, I feel like we're crushing Cantor, but my man <laughs> is not is not a defensive presence. I, I think we right. can agree on that. You are you are. Input, you're putting someone who is a defensive presence. So True. not only are you getting that, you are changing everything about how a team plays defense. And yeah. and for every we can go on and on about the Blazers defense and Lord knows I don't want to do that, but <laughs> the impact will be exponential because of of the minutes that he's replacing and the impact he can make. If in no other way on defense, but right. when yeah. you add in his passing, when you add in his offense and all that.
0: True. You're 100% correct if he's back to his normal self because mm-hmm. before he got injured, they were 27th ranked in defensive rating. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. Like, right. they have to get the old knickered back. Yeah. Okay. okay. What's next?
1: Uh, Well, you wanted to talk about your boy Rocco. And uh, he's <laughs> obviously been ridiculous, uh, spurred on by my uh, saying he was a disappointment because of his shooting. Yeah. He, um, you know
0: what? He said something about that. Too. He said He said he was looking for you. Hey, he knows
1: where I live, actually. He knows how to find me. Uh, you know, and, and I, it, it was a it was a weird thing to do at the time, which I couched everything saying, I don't feel good about this because it's exclusively based on his shooting. Um, but what he has done from beginning to end is just provide so much in so many, so many different ways. I guess, you know, just looking at him in general the last couple of months, uh, how would you describe what he's given this team?
0: Man, it's like... He, he was so mediocre to start. Like he shot 19% in January you know, over a few games from three-point range and 30 in February. And then he just started piecing together these, these decent games. But he had this one stretch where he went one for five, one for four, one for three. And then he had an 0 for four, 0 for five to end March or to the end, in February. Wait. Yeah, in February. Um, so it was like, okay, and he was up to 37% that month. What does it mean? We'll see. But this past month, the month of March, 49% on threes, dude. And the thing the thing about it is it goes a little bit unnoticed on some nights because mm-hmm. he only shoots a handful, mm-hmm. right? Because Lillard's jacking up 10 and comes back, he's you know pumping them out there. But those three for fours I'm looking at right now, three for sixes, three for nines, five for sevens, two for fives, those add up. And those are huge because usually he's hitting those. They're not designed for him, like they're not running plays to get Robert Covington a three. Something went wrong in the offense. They double-teamed <laughs> him, or there was a rebound and kicked back out, and he ends up with the ball. And it's like, oh, what's he going to do with it? And he's draining these threes. And that, going along, complimenting, excuse me, his defense, which mm-hmm. is just out of this world, has really elevated him to be, I think, even more than, he, than maybe they could have hoped for, because he's better now than he was in Houston for the short t- amount of time he was there. And he's as good as he's ever been in his career in terms of providing you with everything, and it's just been huge. Like he in in, in the state of Florida, he had eight block shots, four steals, seven assists, twenty rebounds, you know, and twenty eight points. So twenty eight points are modest, but everything else as a role player, it's just been impactful. Again, it's just Orlando and Toronto, but he's been doing things like that on a night in basis. He's averaging seven point six rebounds for the month, two blocks, two steals, two assists, and block shots in today's game. You know, there there aren't as many block shots because everyone's jacking up so many threes, right? Mm-hmm. So The fact that he's getting two from the four position is pretty impressive. I have been impressed with him. Everyone's been talking about him because he's just been that, that quintessential cliched glue guy who does a little bit of everything and has an impact without the gaudy numbers that you would see from Damer CJ.
1: I think he's kind of starting to fulfill what we thought he would be. You know, going back to when when they acquired him, he he really was in my eyes the the perfect addition. He was a right. guy that this team has been searching for for so long. Um, and, and you know, you just read off the stats, but what I like too is I like his his poise and his attitude and and the way he carries himself. Um, there's a little bit of nasty, but a little bit of uh, intelligence and cerebral. just a little—it's
0: it's cerebral nastiness.
1: Yeah, that's there you go. That's perfect. And, you know, there's a little bit of edge too. Terry uh, Stotts had come out and said, look, I want us to be us being the Blazers, a top 15 defense the rest of the season. And he goes, you know, Rocco goes, no, I want us to be a top 10. And it's that kind of mindset that I think, uh, you know, separates guys in the league. And it's a it's an important mindset to have on, on this team. I don't think he's alone. Um, but you add in that element to to the stats that he's finally starting to produce. And, and he just seems to be everywhere. He gets deflections all over the court in and, and his hand, you know, his hands are all over balls. And, and, and like you said, he's blocking shots. He's getting steals, steals. Uh, he makes up for, for, for defensive miscues by his teammates. You know, he, he's uh, as we've talked about, a, a really good de- a team defender. Um, he's just a, a solid piece to everything. And, uh, I I think maybe we probably made a little too much out of his shooting early. He was in an extended slump. It's hard not to when he had some one for eights and one for sevens and yeah. so forth. And I think that kind of skewed things a little bit. And plus um, he had
0: struggled shooting at Houston the last part of the season, but that's, you know, there.
1: Yeah. Um, and so he's a guy, it's like you talked about, they're not running plays for him, but he's an important piece because – when Dame and CJ are getting harassed, they're going to have an outlet there for a guy who's capable of, of hitting a shot on the wing, right. a guy who can go in and get a rebound who's, who's long and, and athletic. So, um, I mean, I, 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 again, he's starting to show the, to be the player that I think we thought he,
0: he would be. Yeah, and one, thing, one of the things he talked about at the beginning of the season was, you know, aside from the stat stuff, how he just wants to, you know, assess the offense, be disruptive – let them know that he knows what they're going to do and he's going to be mm-hmm. trouble. And mm-hmm. like, let like play mind games. And Stoss the other day talked about how, you know, the little things you don't see in the box score, he's doing. Like, he's making sure other guys understand what the offense is trying to do to them, helping people figure things out. You mm-hmm. know, the problem, though, is that I hear all that and that's all great. So are you telling me then – that their defensive rating would be 128 without him because the defensive rating is still bad. But I, 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 I asked that question, like, what would they be without him right now given how their defense is? But he is holding together what has been a pretty mediocre defense by at least being a guy on the team who gives a darn and processes information and can make plays, no doubt about it. All right, um, moving on. All right, Joe. I almost feel like I'm,
1: I'm. I almost feel like <laughs> I should just get a cup of coffee. I'm,
0: no, no, I'm not. I'm gonna. sit here. I'm Maybe gonna sit here.
1: I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you guide <laughs> us into this, and then I'm gonna be just kind of sit back and be like, you know what? You you just go right ahead.
0: No, I'm not gonna be that bad. But I'm watching. Uh, I'm watching highlights. Media highlights with my 14 year old son, Peyton, last night, and he looks at me and goes. What does any of this matter anymore? Let's just fast forward to the Nets sweeping the Lakers. <laughs> and I just died laughing because it was, it was perfect. So we got the Nets already stacked with Durant, Harden, and Kyrie. Mm-hmm. And some decent role players already. They they just picked up Blake Griffin, which you can say, huh, Oh, who cares, whatever. Still, it's Blake Griffin. It's, it's a vet. It's a pro. He's not going to have to carry anything. Then they add Aldridge. Then a couple of days later, the Lakers, who are battling injuries, but still, they are loaded. They get Andre Drummond. To me, this, is, this defines a broken system. Because in MLB and NFL, if a guy is released, they have to go through waivers, which means the teams at the bottom of the standings have first crack and they move on up until someone claims them. So if that were the case in the NBA, he had to clear waivers. Another team would have picked up Aldridge or Blake Griffin or Drummond. But instead, because the way the system's set up, those two can just pick wherever they want to go. And, oh, is it any shock where they want to go? They all want to go to the team they think has a chance to win a championship, which just further stacks two already stacked teams, and it's completely unfair to the other teams in the race. I find it to be completely ludicrous and obnoxious. I think the NBA needs to change this rule – I think that there's no – if they are healthy, the Nets are going to roll through the East. Lakers are going to roll through the West. And my son's right. Let's just fast forward to the finals. What do you think? Well,
1: I would say that when I was 14, I thought I knew everything too. (laughs) Uh, I would also say uh, that – I guess I would point out the Dallas Mavericks in 2011, the Toronto Raptors in two thousand and nineteen. The, Cle- okay. the Cleveland Cavaliers in two thousand sixteen. Now granted that was LeBron and, and they were obviously a good team, but I'm saying stuff happens. We we don't know what's going to happen here now in almost mm-hmm. April. So you got you got to keep playing. Now that said, I, I I appreciate your point. I also know that NBA players are going to want to go where they want to go. And so they're they're going to go play for teams that they want that's what a, a pseudo free market is. You know, it, you can't prevent a guy from going to play.
0: Uh, but you can. The, the, the NFL does it and the NLB does it. You can't I, get released from a team and just go wherever you want. Well, yeah, but I mean, the reason that these super
1: teams exist is because of free agency, though. I mean, that, that's the, the bigger issue than the buyout market. We're, we're talking about pretty agree, fringe but- guys here. I'm, I'm not so much worried about Blake mm-hmm. Griffin. I'm not so much worried about Andre Drummond. LA. Ooh, L.A. really did San Antonio. Like, he's still a good player, but I'm saying, these guys aren't total difference makers. Blake Griffin, do, uh, uh, how are his knees? How are Andre okay. Drummond's knees?
0: Like, well, Blake's been dunking again, but here's the thing. You're you're, you're not wrong in terms of the fact that, they, it's not like they added, you know, um, r- you who know, I'm thinking of. A, yeah, a, it doesn't
1: matter. Just all stuff on, Insert on-star here.
0: Star counter, like, yeah, like a, um, Paul George or something like that, but The the thing is, I was discussing this with someone the other day, Aldridge is not the same player he used to be, but Aldridge in 15 to 20 minutes with Durant, Kyrie, and Harden around him, in those 15 to 20 minutes, it's going to play like all-star Aldridge. He's going to be rejuvenated. He's going to be energized. He knows he doesn't have to go for 35 minutes and carry a team. He just has to give a 15 to 20 minute burst in a situation where he'll never see a double team Ever. And if he does, he passes it to a wide open guy and gets an easy assist because dude's wide open. So, guys like that who are veterans, who are former all stars, if I have a choice in role players and I can have former all stars who are veterans who are going to give me 10, 15 to 20 minutes over some role playing bench guys that no one really knows about, I'm taking those guys all day. Like, who would you rather have coming off the bench? Um, all, an Aldridge or a Rodney Hood in terms of the Blazers before they traded Hood? Who would you rather have? Blake Griffin or Giles? Who would you rather have? Cantor? Or Drummond. Okay, toss a coin on that one. But Drummond at least is still an athletic defensive big Who who, with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Are you kidding me? That is going to be freaking scary when they get out there together, even if it's just for 15 to 20 minutes. That's why I think it's piling on. Continue.
1: Just just (laughs) getting my coffee. This is actually a beer. I'm getting my beer ready.
0: (laughs) It's unfair. It's just unfair to the rest of – like think about if you're – if you're uh, Boston or even Philly or someone and you're competing with these guys already and then they just go and add more talent that you never had a crack at, really, because the player could choose where they wanted to go. That's what I'm complaining about. For <laughs> those you can't see it, Joe just threw his hands out, like, what are you going to do? Well, you institute – You put in a system like the NFL and MLB, where you have to clear waivers. That way, someone else can claim these guys and make their team better, as opposed to stacking the best two teams in the league, which are already stacked.
1: We'll see. That's why they play the games, Aaron.
0: (laughs) True, but but I mean, injuries can play a factor. Yes, I mean, if LeBron and AD aren't hundred percent, yeah, that could hurt. But barring injury, I'm telling you right now, barring injury, the Nets are going to run right through the East. It's going to be ugly. And and I think the Lakers are going to do the same thing if AD and uh, LeBron come back because that's just too much length and athleticism, to, for any other team to deal with. Anyway, we shall see. All right, moving along. I mean,
1: right now, are the teams? Those teams don't even lead their respective divi- uh, conferences, right? Well, because are of injury. Yeah. Because well, I mean, you, you, Utah's been pretty good. The Clippers, Clippers might have something to say about the West. Rance Denver's missed, lurking. They just got Aaron Gordon. The Blazers Durant, are right there. Your Blazers.
0: Durant's missed uh, a ton of games. AD and, and LeBron are missing a ton of games. That's why they're not leading. But watch, watch come playoffs. If those teams are healthy, watch what happens in the playoffs. It's just going to be.
1: The 76ers and Bucks might, the potential three time MVP in Milwaukee Nets, might have a little something to say
0: about that. The Nets, the Nets will smoke saying. the Bucks. We'll Harden, will Harden, Kyrie, and Durant. Oh my God. Are they going to be healthy? Well, Since, again,
1: you on the healthy thing. Is Kyrie going to be healthy? Is Durant going to be healthy?
0: I'm with you on the healthy thing. I'm yeah. with you on the healthy thing. I'm saying, it, like I said, if they are healthy, it's going to be a massacre. All right. Mm-hmm. Last topic. <laughs> it's like, You're just, po- just, just want to poke there. You just want to get me riled up even more? You just just want to poke. No, this is supposed to be you. <laughs> Wait, no, this says Joe right here.
1: Well, you're wrong because I led you into the last one. That's all right, though. Okay, um,
0: we'll swap in. We'll swap, we'll swap it in. I'll lead into this one. Okay. Okay. So one of the things that I've been talking about just so much that I make myself nauseous is how the schedule is going to be so much tougher in the second half. And it's about to kick into high gear here pretty soon. Uh, they've been able to survive without Nurkic and without CJ, in part because the schedule was pretty soft. They do not have a very good record against... Uh, top tier West teams. I think uh, the last number I had on them was one and seven against the top seven teams in the West. Maybe four and eight overall against when you kind of factor in Dallas and the Warriors, I believe. Um, so anyway, that's not very good, clearly. And the last after Detroit, I think it's after Detroit, they have twenty six games left or twenty five. Twenty one of them are against legitimate playoff contenders who are all either right around or above five hundred. And it all gets started Friday with Milwaukee. Then the Thunder. There's a you know easy game, not well, air quote easy. And then at Clippers at Utah, <laughs> right? <laughs> then Detroit one more time. And then it just gets gnarly. Miami, Boston, Spurs, Charlotte, which is fourth in the in the East. Although they lost ball, we'll see what happens there. But then Clippers again. Denver. You got Memphis three out of four nights or four, three out of four games over four nights. Memphis is 500 and playing better, and they would be way above 500 had they not lost John Morant early in the season. Then you've got to go to Brooklyn, Boston, Atlanta. Cleveland will be easy. And then you end, you end it with Lakers, Spurs, Houston, bad game. Then Utah, Phoenix, Denver. That is going to be wicked. And they're going to have to start off this stretch, still trying to get Powell going, still hoping that, that Nurkic rounds into shape and that CJ can find his groove. Do you think this team could even go 500 over the last 25, 26 games? Of course. First of (laughs) all,
1: uh, my whole thing is uh, I'm like you. I bring up the the schedule and and note when it's difficult or lax or otherwise. But I'm old school in that I don't want to hear people complaining about officiating. And I don't want to hear people complaining about the schedule because everybody plays the same teams. And everybody has to deal with the same official, so I take all that out. I have long maintained, and then we've talked about this uh, previously uh, in, in this video cast, is the Blazers' schedule actually, in hindsight, turned out to be pretty favorable considering their circumstances. Hundred nav- percent. They navigated the injuries. They had an easy schedule when they were when they were shorthanded. Now it's going to get tough for them. Well, now they have their their bodies back. Now they're they've got the reinforcements here. So. It could be a lot worse, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, and look, the NBA, despite you have already anointing the finalists, is, is loaded with really <laughs> that's good. Uh, is littered with pretty dang good teams. Like there's some really, really top six to seven of, of especially in the West, but also in the East. There's some good teams there, and so uh, it's it's not going to be easy, no matter no matter who you're playing. Um, but yes, I, I think they can go 500. This is a team when it's healthy and when playing its best is one of the top three, four teams in the West. And so, yeah, they can and should be able to hang with, with anybody on any given night. Milwaukee. What, and you talking about Freeman? what do you mean? What, what you I'm talking, talking about We're best three or
0: four in the West? when they are healthy. Okay.
1: When DJ's back. When Nurkic is back, if, if they're playing to their capabilities now they've added Norman Powell, right? When they are playing as good as they can play, they can uh, hang with any team in the league. They're, they're one of the best four teams in the West. They have not been one of the best four teams in the West. Don't get me wrong. They are not that team now, but they have an MVP candidate. They had a guy who <clears throat> prematurely was getting all-star buzz uh, before he got hurt. They've got Nurkic, who's important, you know, both ways we've gone on and on about that. They've got depth and versatility, one through eight or nine. They have the talent to to compete and to beat any anybody out there. I am going to say that until I am proven wrong because I'm going to go to the grave on that because I've been saying that all, all year long.
0: <laughs> okay. I think it's going to be – okay. I was wrong the last time we had a record debate. So you are – Wait, wait, you you... wait. Wait, what? Did I say that? You just – that was – I haven't heard that in 20 years. And I didn't even stutter when I said it. Happened. It was so natural. It was oh, because, weird. Well, because, oh, because I was factually wrong. See, there's, there's factually wrong, and then there's someone's opinion that I'm wrong. When someone has an opinion that I'm wrong, they can go get bent. If I'm factually wrong, then I'm factually wrong. I had a number under five and a half. You had over. They went over. You won. I was wrong. But I, I'm going to set the over under at 500 for this last stretch after Detroit. If they wait, finish wait, Oprah, wait, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. After Detroit. You gotta that's their next game. You include that in the schedule. Start with no, Detroit.
0: Because that's a given. My 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 whole point of that topic was talking about how it ramps up Friday, not Wednesday right. night. Okay, okay, Detroit. fine. Okay, fine. They can they can like rotate going shopping for cars in between quarters and win that game. Um that was a horrible joke. But anyway, so starting with the second against Milwaukee, I think maybe, maybe a game under 500. If they if they can survive this stretch coming up and be still top six, that's another thing too. I think they're going to fall out of the top six. I think Denver is going to pull away from them, and I think Dallas is going to reel them in. Dallas has a much easier schedule. And let me just – I'm not going to go through the entire Dallas schedule, but let's just look at the last six games. Portland, as I said, goes Lakers, Spurs, Houston, Utah, Phoenix, Denver. Dallas goes Cleveland, Cleveland, Memphis, Pelicans, Toronto, Mm. (laughs) T-Wolves. So if they're close in those last six games, Dallas is going to pass them up. And Dallas right now is only a couple games back, I think, two or three. Uh, So I think it's going to be really tough. The only way they can survive it, and still stay in the top six. As if Nurkic becomes eighteen and ten, Nurkic, and if CJ, which I think CJ was just like two games away from being CJ again, so we'll see what happens.
1: How would you? Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of of how to phrase this. Uh, the Blazers are 28 and 18, right? Correct. How? They have no business being that good.
0: They're 28 and 18 because a. They played as we talked about their schedule is relatively soft compared mm-hmm. to how it is gonna be the second half. Mm-hmm. Like in the, the top eight teams in the West, they played most of the most of the teams they played in the first half, they only played once. Okay, so schedule
1: schedule. Okay. so schedule, schedule, okay.
0: Schedule. Okay. Okay. Two their ability to pull out games late, mm-hmm. but they did that against bad teams. Lillard okay. even said himself, and this was this was funny to me because like people were going when they were 18 and 10, they had won six in a row. Mm-hmm. Everyone's talking about Lillard MVP and oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Damian himself said, "We didn't beat a lot of very good teams mm-hmm. and we had to rally late to do it." And then they go out and get smashed by Phoenix, lose at Denver, lose at the Clippers and he's like, "Well, we learned a lesson. It's a very different, you know, game against good teams that you can't play them the same way you play against bad teams." So he himself was saying we were benefiting from playing bad teams. That has continued for the most part. So if I look at a team that, like I said, is one in seven against teams in the top seven in the West, and they're going to play a bunch of those teams, it's difficult for me to believe that they're going to go six and two against those teams. That's my problem.
1: Okay. I guess the point I was trying to make is this team has no business being 10 games over 500 based upon the injuries that they've endured to this point. So. Now they got all their guys. Now they're healthy. They are with Denver with a dead identical record. They're a game and a half out of fourth place, three games out of third place, and three and a half out of second place. I'm just saying they are right right there, and they have no business being there. So what you've seen so far... Be what are we gonna see now that they're healthy? You're gonna see once they get again. There's gonna be an adjustment period. They're they're not gonna jump right into the team they're gonna be in. Say a month, but so there's gonna be a week to two in which we see how they they kind of navigate the ins and outs of this. When they get there, they're gonna be on par with a lot of these teams that they play. Right? We'll we'll see the uh, yeah. I believe so. In my humble opinion, yes. So okay, because to my point. Look at where they're at now with what they've been running with for three months or however long it's been. So we'll see. I'm we'll taking see. I'm taking the over on 500.
0: Okay. We'll set the line at 500, and we'll do another pseudo bet over under the rest of the way. Now, I, I think what you're saying can come true if, like I've said now, 80, 80, 80 times, if Nurkic is back to being Nurkic, um, but the defensive issues are going to be there, and they're going to play some teams that they're not going to be able to easily rally, you know, I don't know how many times a season. Six minutes to go, they're down by eight, and then they win the game. Yeah. And you look at who they played. Well, they did that against a sub-500 team.
1: Well, they're the Yay. NBA's best, the best team in the clutch. It, it, it's, you know,
0: that is
1: a trait of a team that, regardless of who they play, that, that they have that trait. It is also a trait of theirs that they're not good on defense. So we'll have something's going to even out there at some point. We'll see. Do they do they get better defensively, or do they? You know, so yeah, we'll we'll see. I I maintain that talent wise, they are capable of of putting together a nice run and staying, you know, right there, uh, you know, right in that zone where the, you know three three to six kind of playoff tier. So we'll see.
0: Okay, we'll see. That's that's why they play the games. All right, that's why everybody. That's right. Anything else, Joe, you want to add before we sign off here? I'm about to go eat a sandwich. A, or a I'm gonna sandwich? I'm going to go get
1: myself a sandwich.
0: <laughs> I'm about to go make my own chicken wings. My kids are uh-huh. like, make your chicken wings. They're so uh-huh. good. You know, the, you, know what, you know what the trick is? Take the skin off. I can't stand the skin on chicken wings. I rip it off and then I make them and it's just that much better.
1: Well, there's no how do they, how do they become? A, they're, they're not crunchy, are they?
0: I don't like them crunchy.
1: Oh dear God! Are you eating what are these boneless wings? What kind of what kind of human? No, wings? no, no, they have bone in.
0: I just take the skin off. The skin's gross.
1: I don't even know. I All yeah. right. <laughs>
0: this is uh, this is what. Hey, everybody! We left on a everybody
1: note for you, didn't we? This, this is what I'm dealing with. Enough said. Enough said. Remember yeah. this always. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, thanks for listening and/or watching the Blazer Focus, Focus podcast. It's be brought to you by Bymart. We'll be back again soon, so I can tell Joe I'm right. If I'm wrong, we won't be back again. This season. Thanks for
1: I'll watching. See you guys next season. <laughs> <laughs>